Hey everyone, this is Thea, and I want to welcome you to the corner of here and now, where we talk about real life, recovery, success, spirituality, and anything else that might come up right here, right now. Hold on to your seat, because we're in for a ride. This is Thea, and this is episode 2.26. And I didn't have a topic for today, which seems to be a theme over the last couple days. But I have a reading tonight, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and read this. And then um, at the end, I'll tell you where I found it. Um... And stuff. So, and I haven't read this all the way through yet. I've skimmed it a couple times, but I haven't read it. So, I'm going to give it a read and we're going to see how this goes. And it's titled Dear Sugar, the Rumpus Advice Column Number 72 The Future Has an Ancient Heart. And this was written May 5th, 2011. So, this is a few years ago. Dearest Sugar, Light of My Thursday Afternoons, I teach a few creative writing courses at the University of Alabama where the majority of my students are seniors graduating in May. Most of them are English and creative writing majors and minors who are feeling a great deal of dread and anxiety about their expulsion from academia and their entry into the real world. Many of their friends in other disciplines have already lined up postgraduate jobs, and many of my students are tired of the being an English major prepares you for law school comments being made by friends and family alike who are pressuring them towards a career in law despite having little or no interest in it. I have been reading a handful of your columns to my students in an attempt to pep them up and let them know that everything is going to be all right. They have written like motherfuckers. They have pictured the kittens behind the sheetrock. Our school has decided to forego a graduation speaker for the last five years or so. And even when we did have a graduation speaker, often they were leaders in business or former athletes. And so their message was lost on the ears of the majority of 20 to 22 year olds. So Sugar, I am cordially asking you to deliver a graduation speech for our little class of writers. While we might not have difficulty obtaining, while we might have difficulty obtaining an honorary PhD, believe me when I say that among us are some extremely talented writers, bakers, musicians, editors, designers, and video game players who will gladly write you a lyric essay, bake you a pie, write you a song, and perform countless other acts of kindness in exchange for your advice. Fondly, Cupcake and Team 408. <clears throat> Here's her response. Dear Cupcake and Team 408, there's a line by the Italian writer Carlo Levi that I think is apt here. The future has an ancient heart. I love it because it expresses with such grace and economy what is certainly true that who we become is born of who we most primitively are, 
that we both know and cannot possibly know what it is we've yet to make manifest in our lives. I think it's a useful sentiment for you to reflect upon now, sweet peas, at this moment when the future likely feels the opposite of ancient, when instead it feels like a Lamborghini that pulls up to the curb while every voice around demands you get in and drive. I'm here to tell you it's okay to travel by foot. In fact, I recommend it. There is so much ahead that's worth seeing, so much behind you can't identify so much behind you can't identify at top speed. Your teacher is correct. You are going to be all right. And you are going to be all right because you majored in English. Excuse me. And you're going and you are going to be all right not because you majored in English or didn't and not because you plan to apply to law school or don't, but because all right is almost always where we eventually land even if we fuck up entirely along the way. I know, I fucked up some things. I was an English major too. As it happens, I lied for six years about having an English degree, though I didn't exactly mean to lie. I had in truth gone to college and participated in a graduation ceremony. I walked across the stage and collected a paper baton. On that paper, it said a bachelor's degree would be mine once I finished one final class. It seemed like such an easy thing to do, but it wasn't, and so I didn't do it, and the years slipped past, each one making it seem more unlikely that I'd ever get my degree. I'd done all the coursework except that one class. I'd gotten good grades. To claim that I had an English degree was truer than not, I told myself, but that didn't make it true. You have to do what you have to do. You can't go to law school if you don't have any interest in being a lawyer. You can't take a class if taking a class feels like it's going to kill you. Faking it never works. If you don't believe me, read Richard Wright. Read Charlotte Bronte. Read Joy Harjo. Hario. Read William Trevor. Read the entire Western canon. Or just close your eyes and remember everything you already know. Let whatever mysterious starlight that guided you this far guide you onward into whatever crazy beauty awaits. Trust that all you learned during your college years was worth learning, no matter what answer you have or do not have about what use it is. Know that all those stories and poems and plays and novels are a part of you now and they are bigger than you and they will always be. I was a waitress during most of the years that I didn't have my English degree. My mother had been a waitress for many of the years that she was raising my siblings and me. She loved to read. She always wanted to go to college. One time she took a night class when I was very young and my father became enraged with her and cut her textbook into tiny pieces with a pair of scissors. She dropped the class. I think it was biology. You don't have to Get a job that makes others feel comfortable about what they perceive as your success. You don't have to explain what you plan to do with your life. You don't have to justify your education by demonstrating its financial rewards. You don't have to maintain an impeccable credit score. Anyone who expects you to do any of those things has no sense of history or economics or science or the arts. You have to pay your own electric bill. You have to be kind. You have to give it 
all you got. You have to find people who love you truly and love them back with the same truth. But that's all. I got married when I was in college. I got divorced during the years that I was lying about having an English degree. When I met the man to whom I am now married, he said, you know, I really think you should finish your degree. Not because I want you to, but I can tell that you want to. I thought he was sort of being an asshole. We didn't bring up the subject again for a year. I understand that you're, that you're afraid of. No, I understand what you're afraid of, sweet peas. I understand that what your parents fear. They are practical concerns. One needs money to live. And then there is a deep longing to feel legitimate in the world, to feel that others hold us in regard. I felt intermittently ashamed during my years as a waitress. I'm the only one of my siblings who went to college. I was supposed to be the one who made it. At times, it seemed instead I had squandered my education and dishonored my dead mother by becoming a waitress like her. Sometimes I would think of this as I went from table to table with my tray, and I'd have to think of something else so I wouldn't cry. Years ago, I no longer worked, excuse me, years after I no longer worked at the last restaurant where I waited tables, my first novel was published. The man who'd been my manager at the restaurant read about me in the newspaper and came to my reading. He'd been a pretty awful boss. In fact, at times I despised him, but I was touched to see him in the bookstore that night. All those years ago, who would have guessed we'd be here celebrating the publication of your novel? He asked when we embraced. I would have, I replied. And it was true. I always would have guessed it, even all the time that I feared it would never happen. Being there that night was the meaning of my life. Getting there had been my every intention. When I say you don't have to explain what you're going to do with your life, I'm not suggesting you lounge around whining about how difficult it is. I'm suggesting you apply yourself with some serious motherfuckitude in directions for which we have no accurate measurement. I am talking about work and love. It's really condescending to tell you how young you are. It's even inaccurate. Some of you who are graduating from college are not young. Some of you are older than me. But to those of you new college graduates who are indeed young, the old new graduates will back me up on this. You are so goddamned young. <laughs> Which means about eight of the ten things you have decided about your life will over time prove to be false. The other two things will prove to be so true that you'll look back in 20 years and howl. My mother was young too, but not like those of you who are so goddamned young. She was 40 when she finally went to college. She spent the last years of her life as a college student, though she didn't know when, though she didn't know they were her last years. She thought she was at the beginning of the next era of her life. She died a couple of months before we were both supposed to graduate from different schools. At her memorial service, my mother's favorite professor stood up and granted her a PhD. The most terrible and beautiful and interesting things happen in life. For some of you, those things have already happened. Whatever happens to you belongs to you. Make it yours. Feed it to yourself, even if it feels impossible to swallow. Let it nurture you, because it will. 
I have learned this over and over and over again. There came a day when I decided to stop lying. I called the college from which I did have an English degree and asked the woman who answered the phone what I needed to do to get one. She told me I had only to take one class. It could be any class. <laughs> I chose Latin. I never studied Latin, but I wanted to know, at least, where so many of our words come from. I had a romantic idea of what it would be like to study Latin. The Romance languages are, after all, descended from it, but it wasn't ro roman romantic. It was a lot of confusion and memorization and attempting to decipher bizarre stories about soldiers marching across ancient lands. In spite of my best efforts, I got a B. One thing I never forgot about from my Latin class is that a language that is descended from another language is called a daughter language. It was the beginning of the next era of my life, like this is yours. Years after, I no longer lived in the state where my mother and I went to college. My first novel was published, and I traveled to the state to give a reading, just as my former awful boss had done in, different, in a different city mere weeks before. The, breast, the professor who granted my mother a Ph.D. at her memorial service read about me in the newspaper and came to the bookstore to hear me read. All those years ago, who would have ever guessed we'd be here celebrating the pu publication of your novel? She asked when we embraced. Not me, I replied. Not me. And it was true. I meant it as sincerely as I meant that I always would have guessed it when we'd Guessed it when I'd been speaking to my other boss. That both things could be true at once. My disbelief was has always... Ah, sorry. <laughs> that both things could be true at once. My disbelief has, as well as my certainty was the unification of the ancient and the future parts of me. It was everything I intended... And yet still I was surprised by what I got. Phew. I hope you will be surprised and knowing at once. I hope you'll always have love. I hope you'll have days of ease and a good sense of humor. I hope one of you really will bake me a pie. Banana cream, please. I hope when people ask what you're going to do with your English and or creative writing degree, you'll say, Continue my bookish examination of the contradictions and complexities of human motivation and desire. Or maybe just carry it with me as I do everything that matters and then smile very serenely until they say, Oh, yours, sugar. Ooh, that got me way more than uh, I thought it was. Some really good stuff in there. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Sh uh, Sugar is Cheryl Strayed, and she wrote the book Wild, and she's written some other books as well. And this reading and this this writing um, got on my radar through Laura McGowan, and she is a, uh, I'm not sure what she is, she's on in Instagram, and she's written a book, and uh, she's a sober person. And anyway, she referenced this uh, a couple weeks or a month ago on her in Instagram, and I found it. And like I said, it's been sitting in my queue on my on my internet thing on my phone, and uh, I scan it every now and then. And 
I didn't have a topic for tonight, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to read this, and uh, it was really fucking good, y'all. I hope y'all got something out of that. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. I've always wanted to say that. And a big shout out to everybody tonight. I hope you're all doing well. Get a good night's rest. And um, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out. All right, everyone. That's another episode of The Corner of Here and Now. Thank you for joining me. If you like what you're hearing, please share, comment, and or subscribe. Please know that the music used in this podcast is the one and only Kenny Cordray. The song is called Rojo that was generously donated by his family. Until the next time we meet on the corner of here and now, remember, we're all just walking each other home. Peace out.